that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. This is Stephen Means, and that's Andrew Gillis, and we're talking Ohio State football per the usual. Get the text, 614-350-3315. And we're taking a, a unique angle, angle to things this time around. Ohio State's going through winter workouts right now. As you're listening to this pod on Tuesday, we're talking with some of the new guys to the roster. That means Caleb Downs, Seth McLaughlin, uh, Will Howard, Quinshawn Judkins, Will Kazmarek. I don't I think that's everybody. Yeah, that's all the new transfers. Not Julian Sand, though. Julian Sand, yes, he is technically a transfer since he was enrolled in Alabama, but to no surprise, they're probably going to treat that like an early enrollee because he is still a class of the 2024 uh, recruiting class, so they're probably just treating it like that. But as you're listening to this pod, that's what we're doing. We're talking to those guys, and that will be the Wednesday pod. Before this Tuesday pod, Andrew and I were going to do a little bit of a look ahead as Ohio State is deep entrenched into its offseason. We're going to talk about some players who have something to gain from this offseason and non-QBs because I think it's pretty obvious that those two have – those quarterbacks have the most to gain in different ways, obviously. Will Howard trying to you know, entrench himself into the program and potentially be a starting quarterback. Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz trying to unseat that in the competition and Aaron Nolan and Julian Sand coming in as true freshmen trying to you know, start their careers as college football players. That's obvious. And I think I don't, it's not a boring conversation. It's just an obvious conversation when there's 80 other players on this roster that we can talk about as well, literally, because five of those 85 are, are quarterbacks. So Andrew and I are going to draft them per usual. It's just, it's not really a ranking. It's just a way for us to talk about some guys who have an opportunity to really make a name for themselves in this offseason. Andrew, I'm going to let you go first. Top guy you think has the most to gain from this offseason. Yeah, the most to gain. Uh, did anybody think I wasn't going to take an offensive lineman first? Uh, I'm taking Luke Montgomery. Um, I look at Montgomery as when I showed up on the beat, the this was in mid to late July, and the first kind of thing that I heard was Ryan Day at Big Ten Media Day. That was the first time that I was ever in a scrum with him, and Ryan Day mentioned him just kind of on his own a couple of times, and during the first couple of weeks of fall camp, he mentioned him just kind of on his own a couple of times, and I think that that's really interesting when you talk about offensive linemen that are freshmen because it is remarkably difficult to play along the offensive line as a freshman right it is very very difficult not just because you have to pick up all of the things that a receiver might have to do technique you know skill uh you know trying to learn the offense trying to learn opposing defenses things that you just don't do in in high school that's that's one thing but the offensive line and defensive line to that extent are such physical positions and you really need to grow into a physical football player if you're going to play the offensive line or defensive line early in your career. And especially up front, you can't get pushed around. And that's why I think Montgomery has a really big couple of weeks ahead of him because if Montgomery can get to that level, we already saw that the coaching staff really likes him. We already saw that they're willing to use him in different sub packages. They're willing to put him out on the field in certain situations. You know, they, they for a while seemed to think he could be an option at, you know, offensive tackle, you know, maybe even if not starting, Hey, look, he might be next in line. 
I think that Luke Montgomery has a really, really big couple of weeks because, again, this is a top 100 recruit. This is a guy who you expect to be competing for jobs at this point. Maybe not even, maybe if you don't, maybe he doesn't win it, you're looking at him as a guy who may, he's first off the bench because this is the type of position and this is the type of guy and this is at the type of position where you need some growth. So I think Luke Montgomery is is number one on my list. And, and frankly, I thought of him first and then I kind of figured out the rest. So Luke Montgomery played 44 snaps last year. A lot of that was coming in that bison role where we have seen in the past, Andrew, guys who've played that role, it's typically been a way in and they've typically been a starter the very next year. Donovan Jackson played it in 2021. He's a starter in 2022. Uh, Josh Fryer played it in 2022. He wasn't a true freshman when he did it, but still he played that role really in 2022. He's a starter in 2023. And now in 2023, you're seeing Luke Montgomery play it. And if you're thinking that whole right side of the offensive line is pretty much up for grabs as we had the spring football, I, I agree with you. I would have, I had him on my list of guys too, uh, whether it's at right guard, whether it's at center, whether it's at right tackle, maybe he even pushes Josh Simmons at the left tackle spot. But it does seem like they've been pretty impressed with what he's done very quickly here, which is interesting as a guy who was a recruit where he's not your prototypical tackle size, right? He's only six foot four, 302 pounds. And he was even, he weighed even less than that in high school, but he has spent the last three years of his life putting on that weight to put himself in the position where he was playing meaningful snaps for Ohio State as a true freshman. That is an interesting one to watch, regardless of where it is on the offensive line. I don't think I'll be completely shocked, Andrew, if he's pushed himself into the starting lineup for Ohio State when we walk out there for spring practice. No, I, I don't think it. I, I don't think it would be a surprise. I I don't think it would be a surprise necessarily, even if he's not a starter. Um, you know, I say this a lot on this podcast. It would probably mean something good has happened or something bad has happened. He still would be a redshirt freshman. You know, he still would be a guy who you look at and say, like, you know what? He's still he's still early in he, his career. Well, he wouldn't be a redshirt freshman. He oh, played they, in they, more than four did games. Did not get the redshirt? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, sure. But the point stands. You, you're talking about a true sophomore then, where you're still early mm-hmm. in your career, and you do have some veterans on this offensive line where you, you can kind of walk down the line and you can see some, some veteran play, some – experience start to show itself. So for me, yeah, I I look at Luke Montgomery as a guy who I think you could make the case for starting. You could make the case that, hey, maybe he just needs another year to really become an elite level player. And I think that that's probably why he's number one on my list, because not just is he at a position of need, not just is there a leap that you want to see, but because I think you could kind of make a case either way. This isn't a, you know, Carnell Tate situation where it's mm-hmm. like, all right, we kind of have an idea with Carnell Tate. With Luke Montgomery, we don't know. And and that's why I think Luke has the most. So I'm going to stick on the offensive line with mine. And it's a guy who, when you see him in pads, he just looks the part, man. He looks like a, if you had to conjure up from an eye test what a first round draft pick looks like. Tegra Shabola fits it. He's yeah. six foot six, three hundred and twenty-two. <laughs> he just looks it. He pa- he passes the get it off the bus test, right? Yeah. But it hasn't clicked yet. And I remember him last spring talking about some of the reasons that it hadn't clicked yet, and how sometimes he was overly aggressive as a blocker, and it got him in trouble at times, especially going against guys like Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimaloao and Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry. He would get him in trouble at times, and maybe it wasn't quite there yet. He was in the battle. 
in fall camp to maybe be a starter, but then obviously Josh Fryer and Joshua Simmons inevitably locked those spots down. But his name was coming up at times as we headed into fall camp. And I am just wondering with that guy, in year three, he played 27 snaps last year, that last season. And in the post in the bowl game against Missouri, he played five snaps. He was playing that bison role a lot of times in the cotton bowl against Missouri. So I am I'm just wondering if maybe the light comes on there. And that's a guy who has had time as both a tackle and a guard in his career, just like Luke, like Montgomery. It's it's not about placing him where yet. I think it's it's kind of open. You're just trying to find your best five. But Andrew, he looks it, and I am wondering if three years in, we see a Dewan Jones scenario where Dewan Jones looked the part too. That was a walking eye test. And by year three, it wasn't in the spring though. Dewan Jones, that name didn't start ringing bells until fall camp, where it was like, oh wow, we're two weeks in the fall camp and they're reshuffling their offensive line. But I'm just wondering if in year three in the program, Tegra Shabola can make the type of jump to where. We come out of the spring thinking, oh, he might be a dude as we all go in the fall camp. Yeah, uh, he was second on my list. Um, mm. So I, I had lineman one, two. And I think part of that is the I, I think part of that is the position. I think part of that is you mentioned the eye test. I think part of that is who they are as players. Like, the, I mean, I mentioned Montgomery. I think he was 92nd overall in that 2023 class. Uh, Shibola, who was ranked really highly by the 247 individual ranking, uh, was number 104 in the composite ranking. So he's still a highly regarded prospect. And this is his third year. And this is when you start to think that there's going to be a pop. Whereas with Luke Montgomery, you could, like I said, you could kind of make the case that, hey, if he doesn't start, again, something maybe really good has happened. And, you know, Josh Simmons and Tegra Shibola look really good at tackle. And then all of a sudden, Josh Fryer just has a really nice fall camp and spring practice and he's your guard. And then all of a sudden you're set and Luke Montgomery's on the bench for another year. And that's fine. And with Shibola, not to say now or never, but this is when you would expect it, right? Like this, like this is when you would expect that leap to happen. You mentioned the size, you know, he's like, he's like six, five, like three twenty something like that. He's a big kid. And uh, he's actually listed at 6'6", 320. Um, so he's a, he's a big kid. Like, that's tackle size. We mentioned Montgomery might be a little, you know, more apt for guard size. Like, Shibola's tackle size. And if Shibola can prove to you in kind of workouts that he deserves a really long good look at tackle or guard or just just anywhere, right? Like, that I think would go a long ways for Ohio State's offensive line. I think – him proving, look, you got to put me on the field. It doesn't matter. Left, right, tackle, guard, center, tight end, fullback. You got to put me on the field. Like if, if you can prove that, then I, I think it's you're going to do wonders for Ohio State's offensive line. I mentioned when we had that conversation a couple of weeks ago, I think Luke Montgomery and Tegra Shibola are the two most important figures on the offensive line in the offseason because you know Donovan Jackson's going to start. You figure Josh Simmons is going to start. You figure McLaughlin's going to start. Well, then if you get Montgomery and Shibola, there you go. Like, there's your five. And, and if those guys can take a leap, then you're feeling good about the offensive line as compared to last year where there were a lot of questions. Who's your next guy? Who's my next guy? Uh, third on my list was Kenyatta Jackson. Um, I went with another defensive line position, another trenches position. Um, I hope for those of you listening – you understand where my priorities lie, and in, um, in in how I t- 
about football. Uh, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure a lot of you watched the, uh, the Ravens chiefs game. Uh, the Ravens ran a fourth down play where they ran like a single wing quarterback power. That's my type of football. Offensive line, defensive line. So that's why I have defensive linemen and offensive linemen in the top three. Um, but the thing with Kenyatta Jackson is Kenyatta Jackson is he's in a unique spot because when you talk about Luke Montgomery and Tegra Shibola, the two guys that I have talked about and we have talked about kind of on this list as, as number one and number two. We've mentioned opportunity with with those two guys, right? Like, hey, the job's there. Like, there there are openings for that job. I don't think there's an opening at, at either defensive end spot. That's Jack Sawyer. That's JT Tumolo. I'll, you know, hip, hip, hooray, everybody's good. And with Kenyatta Jackson, though, you've got to prove that you can be in that rotation. Like you have, you can't, you can't let it be Jack Sawyer, JT Tumaloal, and then everybody else, you know, and then it's all right. And then let's see what we got. And then let's go to three and then let's go to four. You have got to tear yourself as closely as possible to Sawyer and Tumaloal, because we've mentioned this, you might play 16, 17 games next year and you got to get guys rest. You got to have depth. And Kenyatta Jackson's a really big part of that. You know, you you need to have a great pass rush. We can we've seen time and time again what getting home with four can do for a defense and for an opposing or to an opposing offense. And with Jackson, he again he's in a tough spot because the third year that's the year that you would expect these guys to make this leap, and there's just not an opportunity for him to do that. I, I don't think that anybody's expecting him to come in and be the starting pass rusher, the number one pass rusher, the starting defensive end for this team. But if you can prove that you can play in a key reserve role, I think that that would do, you know, that would do really, really good things for him moving forward because then when it comes time to play Akron, Western Michigan and Marshall and Michigan state and, uh, I'm trying to think who they have late on the schedule. Whoever Big Ten team they're going to blow out in between like Oregon and Penn State and Michigan. Like whoever whoever they have kind of in that mix. Kenyatta Jackson might not – you don't want to be the guy that gets in the game when it's 28 nothing. You want to be the guy that gets in the game when it's 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter and you can give the first two guys a blow. You know, that's got to be the – you know, that's got to be the um, – uh, like that, that, like that's got to be your goal. So I, I think Kenyatta Jackson is third on my list just for this year, for moving forward. When you look at, I mean, this team's got Edric Houston coming now. He's on the roster. He's a five-star freshman. Like Ryan Day thinks of him as a day one player. Like this team's really talented at defensive end. And uh, Kenyatta Jackson, I think, has got to prove that he is closer to to Malo out and Sawyer's level than closer to you know Caden Curry's level and closer to some of these other defensive linemen. I think that exact same thing can be said of Caden Curry. I think their job is probably going to be make Larry Johnson not even Larry Johnson because I think Larry Johnson has always been open to to rotating deeper into his rotation when he has the options. But make this defensive coaching staff in general make Ryan Day feel comfortable that if they take JT Tuimaloa off the field, if they took Jack Sawyer off the field in a, in a high leverage situation for you, that they feel comfortable and they feel confident in the production will also be there. And I thought Kenyatta Jackson 
he flashed at times this year, especially in those rushman packages against Penn State. There were times where he flashed, but it does seem like this is a guy who's also going through his second full offseason at Ohio State. I don't, I don't, he did not early enroll, I don't think, in 2022 when he got here. And so there always is that catching up period because you're not here those first six months of a season for their, that preparation in the spring. And so what does a second full offseason do for him? Because Ohio State's going to need that depth on the <clears> defensive line. You mentioned it 16 games. It's what you're going to have to win to win to have to play to win a national title, whether you get that bye week or not. That's how many games you're going to have to win to win a national title. And so you're going to need that depth on the on the defensive line. So if you've if you believe in JT Tuiamaloa, you believe in Jack Sawyer already. But if you're adding Kenyatta Jackson, I'll even go throw Caden Curry into that mix. If you're throwing those two into the conversation as well, that's a pretty stout defensive line and something that can carry you through six months of football. This next guy, I think he's got a lot to gain. It, it probably won't pay off in terms of snaps this season just because of how deep this cornerback room is. But Calvin Simpson Hunt, Steven, this is I, fun. Look, it is this really is ridiculous. I, like, Steven, I have been around you too long because I'm looking at my list and we have <laughs> the same guys on this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I th- <laughs> That's good. That means, listen, that means you're you're learning. Great minds think alike. Calvin Simpson's yeah, well. top 90 player. In the top 70 player, excuse me, in the 2023 recruiting class, a guy that Tim Walton flipped from Texas Tech, I believe, and super fast kid, super, super fast kid. They're really excited about his future. In fact, Ryan Day mentioned him a couple of times this year on some of the stuff he was doing on special teams. He did not early enroll. And so this is going to be his first full offseason at Ohio State, which is very similar to what Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson, who obviously has transferred to LSU, before last season that was their story and it was part of our conversations at that time Andrew when you talk about that 2021 group with Jordan Hancock J.K. Johnson and Denzel Burke Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson were the top 100 recruits top 70 really in that class while Denzel Burke may be a little bit lower rated and so it felt like Denzel Burke has clearly first of all outplayed his recruiting ranking that's for sure but there I had questions at times of Denzel Burke is also just ahead of them in terms of his development track because he's been in the program six years longer, six months longer than those who have, excuse me. So what happens when those two get a chance to go through their first full offseason? Do they catch up just because they are top 100 recruits and Denzel Burke, not necessarily that. J.K. Johnson it never really worked out here. He got opportunities in 2022. He even started a couple of games, but it never really clicked the way you thought it would as a guy who was a top 100 recruit while Jordan Hancock, the 2022 season is kind of lost for him because he suffered a, a lower body injury and in, in training camp and was never really able to get back to himself. But then in 2023, we see why they were so excited about Jordan Hancock. While Denzel Burke continues to perform at a high level and is coming into this year as potential All-American candidate and potential first-round draft pick in the 2025 NFL draft, depending on how some things go. But it's kind of the same thing with Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson-Hunt. Jermaine Matthews, top 50 recruit. Early enrolled, immediately started flashing some of the stuff that made them excited when he was a recruit. And then when he got his opportunities as a true freshman, whether it was against Rutgers, whether it was against Penn State or on down the line, he flashed in those moments. But also, because he had been in the program six months longer than Calvin Simpson Hunt was, he was more ready for that. I'm not going to say that Calvin Simpson Hunt was going to jump Jermaine Matthews on the hierarchy. No, Jermaine Matthews is third in their cornerback hierarchy. But right now, it feels like there's Denzel Burke, Davidson, Igbenosa, and, D- and Jermaine Matthews live in terms of how we view them. And then there's a gap. 
in between those three and where everybody else is. And I am wondering if a guy like Calvin Simpson Hunt, who they were really excited about, is a top 100 recruit. He just hasn't gone through winter workouts. He just hasn't gone through spring. He got here in June. So he has not technically been a part of the Ohio State football program for a full year yet. What happens when he gets a full offseason? Does he close that gap? And then by the time we get to fall camp, it feels like Ohio State has four corners where any of them, even if we think Denzel Burke and Davis Igmanosin are still going to get the bulk of the meaningful snaps. Even if they play 85% of the meaningful snaps at outside corner, if something were to happen to either one of those two, Tim Walton has two options he can go to and not bat an eye at it. Yeah, the way that I look at this for Calvin Simpson Hunt, who is fourth on my list, um, I look at this as, you know, whenever it snows and like you go out during the snowstorm and shovel so you can make it easier on yourself the next day, like when you know you're going to get like a foot of snow, like that's kind of what Calvin Simpson Hunt's got to do right now because you've got to prove to the coaching staff that you don't deserve to be kind of caught in the wash because. Denzel Burke and Davison Igbenosin are the starters. Is anybody going to debate that? Is anybody going to say no? I don't think so. So those are one, two. And Jermaine Matthews, you mentioned it, Stephen. He kind of has a foot ahead of you right now. He's, he's kind of a foot ahead of you. He's got he's got a um, he's got an advantage, and you've got to mind that gap. But you've also got to understand they have a five star corner in Aaron Scott, who they just brought in in this class and they've got a four-star corner who's like 50th overall I, I would have to check the rankings they've changed a couple of times and Bryce West and all those guys are outside corners and oh yeah by the way when we can assume that Denzel Burke and Davison Igbenosin are gone in 2025 they're bringing in a top 10 overall player in Devin Sanchez who has like big 10 level size and speed now and he plays in Texas in one of the most competitive high school leagues in the country now. So this is a guy who the pressure is going to keep on coming through the room, right? Like this is not a a situation where, you know, Calvin Simpson Hunt can just kind of say, you know what, next year's my year because we've got guys that are leaving. No, there's going to be some real, real stiff competition in that corner room and you've got to separate yourself to prove that, you know what, if we play Oregon and there's an injury and we got to go four corners on the field, I deserve to be in that mix. Or we got to go, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're playing a team that does spread it out in the playoff and, you know, we need to put four corners on the field, maybe a little bit bigger than, you know, than a, uh, you know, than a Jordan Hancock. Yeah, I deserve to be on the field. You, you've got to do that now. But you've also got to set yourself up for just in terms of experience and set yourself up in a position to where at this time next year, when conversations are being had about Calvin Simpson Hunt, that you are the projected starter, you're still going to have to go earn it. You're still going to have to go hold people off and you're still going to have to do your thing. But the talent is ridiculous in this room. Like if you slip, you're getting passed up by a five star because there's a five star in this class. There's a five star in the next class. And oh yeah, by the way, like Bryce West is is in that class is in this freshman class currently. And then you uh you might have another five star in Dorian Brew, depending on how that recruitment goes next class. I know it's really hard for freshmen to play, but the talent is gonna be ridiculous and you can't get caught in the wash. So yeah, Calvin Simpson Hunt, I think, has probably the most to prove and the most to gain in that cornerback room over these next couple of weeks. 
I think this this cornerback room is very quickly going to get to where this wide receiver room was, where it's recruiting at such a high yeah. level where if you don't keep pace, it's very easy to get jumped. And we saw that with the 2022 wide receiver class. A lot of those guys were quickly getting jumped. And so now there's only two of them left, and you have to kind of get in where you fit in here because if you don't stay on your path and you don't stay up with that level, it's very easy to fall behind. And Ohio State's cornerback room, to your point, Andrew, is going to get there as well. And that's not that's, that's not just about Calvin Simpson Hunt. That could be about Jermaine Matthews. That could be about Aaron Scott and Bryce West when they get here. That can be about Devin Sanchez and potentially Doran Brew when they get and Blake Woodby when they get here in, yep. in two years. And on down the list here, it's just when you recruit at such a high level, eventually high level recruits are going to get jumped because you're bringing in that level of talent. So those are our first four: Luke Montgomery, Tegra Shabola, Kenyatta Jackson, Calvin Simpson Hunt. When we come back, we're going to name a few other guys. This is not about oh, who can turn this, use this summer to be a, a superstar and whatnot. This is just it's it's an interesting offseason for some guys. As you can tell, it's a lot of second and third year guys we're mentioning so far. It's an interesting one because Ohio State's bringing back so much. So a lot of these guys are trying to push themselves onto the field while also playing at positions where you're returning pretty quality guys. So we'll get more into that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. We're naming some players on Ohio State's football rosters who have a chance to gain something this spring and really this winter workout. So Ohio State going through winter workouts as we're recording this pod. And as you're listening to it, we're talking to a few of the new Buckeyes who are adding even more reasons for why some of these guys, this is an all important offseason. I'm Andrew. I'm Stephen Means, and that's Andrew Gillis. I almost went the other way. I was almost Andrew, and you were almost <laughs> Stephen. But we're talking players who have something to gain. Our first four were Luke Montgomery, Tegra Shabola, Kenyatta Jackson, and Calvin Simpson Hunt. Andrew, you're up. Who's another guy you think has a lot to gain this offseason? Carson Hinsman. Um, you look at uh, – he's the third offensive lineman, and I I, I debated putting him higher, um, but Hinsman is in a unique spot because basically what Ohio State asked him to do last year was take algebra without having taken pre-algebra, right? Like they did not think that he was going to be in that position that he was in. You know, you figured you'd have Whippler for another year and then, okay, hey, look, the third year, hey, this is the big year. You know, this is the year where, you know, you can make the leap and you hear the third year guys a lot. You hear that, you know, especially when you're not talking about the Jeremiah Smiths and the Edric Houstons and the, you know, the, the, the five star type of guys, like when it comes to normal development, the third year is typically when you see a really big kind of boom or bust like it's either gonna happen or it's not and with Hinsman you're going into a third year at again like I said it again a, a remarkably developmental position but Ohio State also brought in a center from the SEC who just started in the college football playoff I have been vocal about the concerns that I have about McLaughlin and some snapping issues um, but I and I'm curious to see what happens there because Hinsman can make things messy in a good way for Ohio State's interior offensive line. Because you've got uh, Donovan Jackson, he's going to be your left guard. I think that we all can kind of just safely say that and nobody can really debate it. But we've mentioned the offensive line kind of being up for grabs after that. Well, if Hinsman can prove that he's one of your best five and Hinsman can prove that he can play, I think you've got a valuable resource there. And I think Hinsman has a lot to prove, 
But I also think Ohio State wants Hinsman to prove it. Maybe, maybe more than any of these guys on this list that we have kind of mentioned here. Because if Hinsman can be a starter level player for you on the interior, you have two guys cross-trained at center that can play center in McLaughlin and Hinsman, right? You you can figure out the center guard rotation there. But if Hinsman proves he's the best center on the roster, they're not going to start McLaughlin at center because they he was a transfer portal addition from Alabama. That's not how that works. Like you can you could be told, hey, we we like you here and we, you know, we think that we have the, you know, the kind of recipe for you and we think that it's gonna work out. But if Hinsman shows up and he's the number one center, then he's gonna be the number one center when they play Akron. That it, it, it that's not the way that this is gonna happen. So I think Hinsman can prove a lot. He can make things difficult, whether that's, hey, we gotta play him at guard. Or we got to play McLaughlin at guard because McLaughlin's also one of our best five, but Hinsman's the better center. Like there, there's things that he can do over these next couple of weeks that make things very difficult for Ohio State's coaching staff. And truthfully, this is kind of the projection that we thought. We all kind of talked about it throughout the year that we didn't think Hinsman was going to have to be able to be or was going to have to be in this position so early in his career. But now we're on the normal trajectory. He was ahead of the curve through no fault of his own, through no fault of Ohio State's own, and now you're back on that normal kind of trajectory. And this is a big couple of weeks for him. You've got to prove that you can be, you know, physically ready and physically dominant enough to start on an Ohio State offensive line that needs to take a step forward in 2024. And if you do that, I think you're feeling really good about things with with where the offensive line stands. So, yeah, Hinsman from his perspective, from Ohio State's perspective, from Justin Fry's perspective, from Ryan Dave's perspective, from everyone's perspective. You want to have the center quarterback connection right with a new center quarterback and Will Howard. And I think if Hinsman can do that, you're feeling really good about where Ohio State's offensive line stands heading into the spring. Carson Hinsman had to start a lot quicker than maybe anybody was anticipating him to. And obviously this goes back to Luke Whipple leaving when nobody was anticipating him to do so. So I am wondering if Seth McLaughlin's arrival, I don't think Carson Hinsman is going to end up winning a starting guard job and you can clip this and if i'm wrong i'm happy to be wrong i have no problem admitting when i'm wrong here i have it's been also january late it's like the last days of january as we record this it's, right but just in general yeah. sometimes but sometimes you're just wrong sometimes yeah. i was wrong i i saw tyleek williams and i thought eh, i'm out on that and i was wrong and i was loudly proud of the fact that i was wrong i have no i'll say when i'm right and i'll also say when i'm wrong i don't think carson hensman's going to be one of the starting offensive linemen this year and Going to get Seth McLaughlin from Alabama is just a a notch in that point for me right now. And like I said, I'm happy to be wrong. I think for Carson Hensman, though, this is still an important offseason because Seth McLaughlin, I think, is in his last year of eligibility still. So there's going to be a center battle next year. They brought Carson in with the idea that he was going to play center. The only other person on the roster in terms of recruits, not Seth McLaughlin, that's a different conference, that's a transfer. But of the other recruits on the offensive line right now that they brought in with the idea that center is probably in his future is Josh Padilla, who he just looked like a mauler in high school to me, is there was going to be a physical development, like legitimate physical development that needed to happen before he was ready to play. And Seth McLaughlin probably buys him another year before they have to look that way and go, okay, let's see what you got, Josh. Let's see what you got, Carson Henson. But I do think this can be the beginning of a battle that is going to take full swing in 2025 and 
who is going to be Ohio State's starting center in 2025 and beyond. And if Josh Padilla is pushing to be the backup and Carson Hensman is not because Josh Padilla is in year two and he's going through another offseason and maybe he's just a little bit more ready to be in that conversation, that makes it interesting for Carson Hensman. Okay, where do we go now? Because you were the starter, now you're the backup because you maybe weren't ready, which is fine. But now there's a guy younger than you who is pushing and looking like he's a year away from being ready to be the starter. So I, I'm I'm grouping them for you a little bit because just how you're picking guys. But I do think because of that reason, this is an important uh, offseason for Carson Hensman because I think worst case scenario is he's not a starter, but he's their sixth offensive lineman. Yeah. If something happens on the interior, he's the guy they throw in there. He's Matthew Jones of yeah. 2021. That's what Matthew Jones was. Whenever somebody got hurt, he became the utility guy and played all over the offensive line. I think that's fine because we could be having this conversation where Carson Hensman's the backup center in 2024, and then in 2025, he's the starter all over again. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. He just had to play a year earlier, but we've corrected it. But what you can't have happen is you've lost your job, but also there's a guy younger than you who's now battling and pushing and making it look like, okay, this is going to be interesting in 2025. So I think that's a great pick because it's not – when we're talking about people who have something to gain, it doesn't necessarily have to mean something to gain this offseason that's going to pay off right. in September. This can pay off two, three years from now, especially for offensive linemen. Yeah, that was the, so that was the Kenyatta Jackson point. But two, mm-hmm. Ohio State's offensive line was healthy all year. Forget the whole you're going to have to play more games. Forget the whole you're going to need some depth. Injuries like that along the offensive line are not exactly, or I should say the lack of injuries like that on the offensive line are not exactly like common. You're you're probably going to lose some guys throughout the course of a year to, to some injuries, and you need to be ready for that. And if Donovan Jackson goes down, what's your plan B? Or if, you know, Seth McLaughlin or whoever's going to start at right guard goes down, what's the option? Is McLaughlin sliding over and Hinsman comes in? Does Hinsman go to guard? How do you mix that offensive line to be the best version of itself? And I think Hinsman can kind of put himself in a position to where if he's not one of those guys, you know, you are in that. Okay, I'm picking CJ Hicks here because I know there are people yelling at us that we haven't picked him yet. (laughs) But it has to be said. So CJ Hicks, five-star recruit. And the intrigue around him is obviously, Andrew, as you know, has been at sky-high levels since he got here. But I think part of the issue is, one, Tommy Eichenberg ended up being an All-American level football player, and still Chambers was very good, and so was Cody Simon. So it was almost like, sometimes you go, why isn't the five-star kid playing? Well, because the guys in front of him are also playing very, very well. CJ Hicks, in his career, he played 75 snaps this year this past season and he didn't play I think a single linebacker snap in 2022 which is crazy to think about that a top 10 recruit is now going into his third year and he has 75 career snaps and it's not because he suffered an injury it's just because of coaches decisions and I think in the 75 snaps we've seen him I don't know if he's necessarily flashed in a way that made me feel like why is this kid being stuck behind all these other guys? At no point did I watch any of those snaps and feel like he should have been playing more. I didn't think he should be playing less either. I just, I didn't, I never got up in arms with what I saw from CJ Hicks in some of these games. And that includes the Cotton Bowl where he played four snaps and at times looked like he was out of place. I think CJ Hicks needs to make a statement this, this spring and this winter. 
And it's not just as a talent. I think it's just as a, he was the leader of his 2022 recruiting class. I mean, his nickname was Captain Buckeye and he was the vocal and the face of that class. And I think that stuff, it's not as important as going out there and making plays on the football field, but it matters. This team also lost a lot of voices, a lot of captains to this team, and they're going to need new people to step up as leaders. I think CJ Hicks, this is an important offseason because for starters, there's nothing in his way keeping him from getting it on the on the field. Steel Chambers is gone. Tommy Eichenberg is gone. Cody Simon's probably going to be the starting Mike linebacker, and we'll see what the Sonny House, excuse me, Sonny Styles conversation. But CJ Hicks should be walking into this season thinking this will linebacker job is mine to lose. Let me go solidify my job and then start building on potentially being one of the best players on this defense, which has already got a loaded number of players who have claim to that, who could make a claim to that. I just think he looks the part. He's got the recruiting pedigree and we just haven't seen it yet. And I think it's about time, Andrew. We see some things, whether it's see or hear. You hear things behind the scenes or you're in there for practice and you see things. See things that make you go, okay, that's why he was rated that high. He was not on my list because I think he would have been if this was a what do you need to see out of spring practice. You know, Mm. if we're talking over these next like four or five weeks through the winter, like what can you do physically to get yourself ready? I have, I'm not really concerned about that. He, I've seen enough of him to know that he's big and athletic and he can fly a little bit. Like I mentioned, when you come onto the beat, you read a bunch of stories in the, in like the spring of 2023, all the stories that I was kind of like reading that were archived, unleash CJ Hicks, here it comes. Mm -hmm. And in the fall, it was, oh, oh my God, we're going to, we're going to let this dude roam and where this dude's going to be crazy. And then throughout the year, it was like, oh, this guy's playing really well. And like, obviously some of that can be roster management. You know, some of that can Mm -hmm. be, we don't want this guy to leave yet. Um, But that's got to happen at some point. And that's got to happen on the football field. Whereas with the next couple of weeks, like you got to see some development. You got to see some kind of growth in that regard. So he he wasn't on my list because I think what has to happen has to happen on the football field. Like I want to see what they do with him on a football field and how they can get him to flash because you can you can fall into this mix of looking so enticed by CJ Hicks and so enticed by Sonny Styles where you're a jack of all trades master of none type of thing and you don't want that Mm -hmm. with cj hicks you got to find a spot for him but that's not going to happen until spring practice happens and you got to find a role that is going to fit his attributes the best and i'm not going to know that and we're not going to know that for another you know six seven eight nine weeks maybe not even then maybe we're not going to know until august i think some of this is me just being here longer than you we've (laughs) been down this road before no seriously because i know i know know what you're gonna say but yeah like we didn't when you don't go through something i think it can you can have that take and i don't think that's a wrong take at all we were there with the 2018 recruits linebackers and thinking why are they not playing as much they were highly rated guys and now they weren't as highly rated as cj hicks was and baron browning and uh, tough borland and 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 those guys were not as high did, did not necessarily have the same level of a career as what tommy eichenberg had but just the concept of you have highly rated guys on your roster and they can't get on the field. What's going on there? 
And I think the lesson from that is it creates a fear of finding out the reason why and that reason not being a good thing. The reason why CJ Hicks didn't play the last two years has to be more about how good Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers were than how not good CJ Hicks was. And that's the conversation that was being had with um, uh, 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 Taraja Mitchell and um, Kayvon Pope, where it was they weren't getting on the field. People are wondering why. And then in 2021, they finally got their chance, and we found out why they weren't pushing guys to get on the field because they just weren't at the same level. There was a significant drop off in play. And so when you have that baked into your mind of the last time we were in this position with the linebacker room specifically, where there's highly rated guys who are not playing and we're all trying to wonder why the highly rated young guys not playing. And then they finally get their chance and you find out why. And it's like, Oh, that was bad. That's what you don't want to happen here. So that's the only reason I included him on the list. I'm not, I'm about 10% worried about that being the case but i think what what heightens it is i've seen this happen before while also like i said cj hicks played 75 career snaps so he just hasn't played a lot of football so you just want to see him go out there and play football even if it's in the spring you want to see him just get opportunities to both flash at a high level but then also make those mistakes andrew who's your next guy though uh so the last guy on this list for me um I'm, this might have been a homer pick. This might have just been because I'm fascinated to see it. Jeremiah Smith, like I, I want to <laughs> see, and I want to hear about a dude who physically looks the part. Like Jeremiah, like Jeremiah Smith is the number one recruit in the two four seven composite rankings. He is mm-hmm. far and away, I think, the most talented receiver in the country. You talk to people, I've mentioned this on the pod before, you talk to people who talk about him or talk to him or whatever who have seen him play, they go, oh my holy God, like like this dude is different. And they just get that like look, because you can get a look when you talk to somebody, oh man, this dude's really good and we we really think highly of this guy and we really, you know, whatever. If you talk to somebody about a high school recruit and then they kind of give you like a sound effect first. Like if you just say, "Hey, like tell me about Tavian St. Clair." Oh, we think Tavian's really good. Blah blah blah. You know, and I don't mean to throw Tavian under the bus. That wasn't. That was just an example of a recruit Ohio State has. That's fine. When you hear Tavian, or when you hear uh, Jeremiah Smith, and you have, oh, like you, you get that type of reaction from people. That's different. And and I want to I want to see and I want to hear about a dude who shows up. And looks like he's been in the program for a year. Like this is a dude who you've seen the on-field stuff. He looks like Alien versus Predator out there when he's running around, like making all these catches at like the All-American Bowl, where he's making these one-handed grabs, and you know he's doing this crazy. He scores the first touchdown of the game, where he just looks. He looks like a man amongst boys against the best high school football players in the country. And I want to hear about, and I want to see a guy who. Hey, th- forget the whole the fact that he's a freshman. Like this dude can play now. Like this dude really can play now. And there's not a physical development because this is the first step. This is the first step to proving that you can be kind of that rare exception of a dude, especially at Ohio State, who plays as a freshman at receiver because you're just that good. And you got to prove that you can physically do it. You got to prove that you were kind of physically on par. He's got the size. He seems to have the speed. Do you have the strength? Do you have the makeup? Can you be a, like, do you have the strength to be a good blocker? We talked about that with Jeremiah Smith, where 
you can't put him out on the field if, or at least all the time, if you can't run to his side. Like if you can't run to Jeremiah Smith's side because he can't block anyone, that's a huge tell when you put him on the field that teams know you're either throwing the ball or you're not running to his side, and that's a problem. So there are just things that you can kind of get a little bit of an inkling of, like, okay, physically he can hold up. And physically he's at the same level as, I don't know, is it Carnell Tate? Is it Emeka? Is it Jaden Ballard? How does he compare to Marvin Harrison Jr. from this time? How does he compare to, you know, some of the previous, you know, first round kind of high level players you've had at this time? Because if all goes according to plan, Jeremiah Smith's going to play three years at Ohio State and then he's going to be a first round pick. And that should be the goal for him and that should be the expectation for him. But in order to do that, you have got to prove that you can do it and you've got to prove that you can kind of match up physically and that's the first step. I. I don't have questions about him catching the ball. I don't have questions about him kind of physically matching up at receiver at the Big Ten level. It's just, can he do it in kind of winter workouts? Can he prove to the coaching staff that this just looks different? Because then if it looks different now, it's probably going to look different when you put on the pads in, I don't know, six weeks or so. So this is a pretty big early enrollee group. There's now 16 of them with Julian saying the Alabama transfer slash flip, whatever you want to call that, now joining that group as well. And in the past, when Mick Marotti, the strength and conditioning coach, has had a big group of early enrollees, he's kept them separate for a time being and allowed them to kind of bond together. I know he did that in 2020 before, you know, the world shut down and we were dealing with real life issues. I think he did it with 21 as well. This is a pretty big group. So I'm wondering how quickly he, he puts them with the rest of the group. Maybe he already has and, and never kept them apart or maybe he hasn't. But that's an interesting part of like when they when the freshmen do get inserted in with the rest of the group, what do things look like? I think the thing to pay attention to with Brian Hartline over the next nine months is whenever he gets asked about Jeremiah Smith, how does he talk about him? Because if he is downplaying it, not trying to engage in it and entertain it, that's a good thing because that's what he did with Marvin Harrison Jr. when I was asking him questions about him in fall camp in 2022 is I'm asking him all these questions. He's like, oh, he's all right. When coaches downplay, it's because typically that player is doing some stuff and they don't want him to get a big head. And if they're hyping him up more than kind of going out their way, it's because they're trying to keep their confidence up. So if he, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Brian Hartline talks about Jeremiah Smith. Now that he's actually in the program and a football player and not a recruit, because that's going to tell us, a lot about what we need to know about Jeremiah Smith and what he's going to be as a true freshman, even if you think his ceiling in general is pretty high. So here's my last one. Taiwan Malone, they recruited him out of high school. He wanted to play baseball, so he ended up at Ole Miss, and he spent his first two seasons at Ole Miss where he played nine snaps as a true freshman in 2021 and then 97 snaps as a sophomore in 2022, and then he hopped in the transfer portal, and he got to Ohio State in the summer that year. So Ohio State's actually had a – Pretty good batting average so far from Ole Miss, right? You got Davidson Igbenosin, you got Quinshawn Judkins, you got Taiwan Malone the next year, and now you got Quinshawn Judkins. Taiwan Malone, we thought they were getting him as another guy who could be added to that depth on a defensive tackle, which at that time, the defensive tackle depth was in question. You knew you had Mike Hall, you thought Ty Hamilton was going to play, and this is before we thought we realized Tyleek Williams was going to be at an All-American level in 2023. And so you thought, okay, you wouldn't got Taiwan Malone. He can add some depth. 
But what we, I don't think, took into account enough. We brought it up, but maybe we didn't think about it enough. He, this past year was the first year of his life where he's focused solely on football, where he wasn't worried about baseball and other things. And so maybe there was always going to be a learning curve that we didn't necessarily anticipate. He ended up not having much of a role this year. Like I said, he played 49 snaps this season. And when we're talking about depth on the defensive line, when you're talking about you got to win six, play 16, you don't have to win all 16 to win a national championship. You can lose a game, maybe even two. Who knows? But you got to play 16 games to win a national title. And you've already lost Mike Hall. I mean, Tyreek Williams and Ty Hamilton are going to play plenty of snaps. We have a lot of uh, reasons to be excited about what uh, Caden McDonald is going to be able to do. Jason Moore looks the part. But if this kid, who's going through his first full offseason, at Ohio State, and he's also only focused on football, is there something there? As a former top 150 recruit that can be untapped there to when we get to the season, it's like Ohio State's defensive line, especially on the interior, has six guys, and the top three, maybe top four, are at elite level. So I think that's a guy for me, Andrew. Just because A lot of my guys, as you can see, are people where they haven't been through this before. So what happens when they get a chance, that talent level gets a chance to finally go through this? Do we see a jump just because they're getting to be a part of something that the other guys in their room have already gotten a chance to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, for, for me, I, you know, I, I, I looked at guys when I, when I had my six of like, physically, I want to see if you got it. And, and I think that that was kind of where I kind of drew the line for these next, you know, six or so weeks. Did, did you have anybody else like that you were considering? Like, did you have anybody else? Because like the one guy for me that I was like trying to find a spot for was Malik Hartford. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think you yeah. mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned the the future because this isn't a 2024 thing, but like somebody's going to have to play next to Caleb Downs in 2025. Yeah. And if Sonny Styles isn't here, if Sonny Styles, and by that, I mean, he's at linebacker. I think Hartford can have a really nice kind of role there. So Hartford for me was probably like seven or eight on my list. I th- I thought about him. I just am not worried about it at all. I think that a lot of good things were said about him last offseason, and he just had to get thrown out there earlier than they wanted to against Youngstown State because Josh Proctor got hurt. And so they threw him in a situation he wasn't ready for. And then J.J. McCarthy's good, man. So J.J. McCarthy, who even came out after the game and said, listen, I, when Hartford went out there, he called him by his number. But I knew where there was an opportunity to take advantage of that, so we did. Because that's just a true freshman being making some true freshman mistakes. Not even mistakes. It's just people taking advantage of the fact that there's a true freshman on the field. I'm not necessarily worried about his growth. And I think I th- this is one where if Caleb Downs was not here, he would have probably been number one on my list. Yeah. Because that's a different conversation of like, okay, everything we've been hearing, it's got to show up now because you're going to be out there. But – it is so in the future, and you've heard enough good things that unlike with the offensive line where we were focused on the future with some of these guys that we picked, but you have to almost be focused on it from an offensive line standpoint anyway of being at the future, while at this position, I just think he's a guy that could go from playing like 45 snaps to 50 snaps this year because mm-hmm. – Lathan Ransom, unless some, he gets hurt, which is a possibility you want to knock on wood with that. You don't want to wish that on anybody, but Lathan Ransom has had two of his last three seasons and an injury, so you have to be on the lookout for that stuff. But unless an injury happens, Lathan Ransom and Caleb Downs are not coming off the field in any meaningful way that I think Malik Harford, we're, I'm just okay with him being on his normal development path. And then a year from now, let's check back in when, to your point, 
we are both expecting him to be the starting safety along uh, back safety alongside Caleb Downs in those situations. I don't think it's these, these other guys it's a little bit more up in the air what both their present and future holds in terms of whether we're talking production or we're talking playing time. While with Malik Harford, I think I'm pretty confident in thinking that in 2025, he's going to be a starting safety on this team. As far as other people I thought about, I thought about saying Jaden Ballard just because Mm -hmm. it is kind of like, okay, you're in year four and there's dudes behind you who look like they're ready to play. Can you hold them off? But that's it's the same conversation that we're now having about the cornerback room is highly rated guys being pushed by other highly rated guys. So that's probably the only other people I was thinking about on this list from a standpoint of how we wanted to frame this conversation. Anybody else other than Malik Harford for you? No, I mean, CJ Hicks, I thought about Malik Harford. I thought of I, I like I, I tossed around the idea of Ballard, but I wasn't really sure because I was like, you know, Ballard, I think Jeremiah Smith is probably there. I think Ballard has more to lose than game um mm. you know so like ballard i wasn't there on um i the tight ends yeah, yeah i don't know you know i mentioned it's just i just think be, we know yeah yeah and we know what they bring um yeah, yeah so yeah I, I think hartford was the guy that i was probably like debating putting in in there and then cj hicks was kind of the same thing so that's our list Luke Montgomery, Tegra Shabola, Kenyatta Jackson, Calvin Simpson Hunt, Carson Hinsman, CJ Hicks, freshman Jeremiah Smith, and defensive tackle Taiwan Malone. Get the text 614-350-3315. You can share who some guys you think we should have maybe considered a little bit more on this list. This was a non-quarterback list because as we know, quarterback, they always have something in the game. They're quarterbacks. It's kind of it is what it is with the quarterback position. We wanted to focus more on some other guys on this roster who are coming into this offseason hoping to move position in terms of where they stand on the depth chart right now. As you're listening to this podcast, myself, Andrew, and Nathan are all inside the Woody talking with the new transfers. And so get the text for that too, 614-350-3315 as we're talking with those guys. That's the first place that information is going to go anywhere else. We're, we'll pot about it. We'll make videos about it. And we'll write about it. But the first thing we'll do is we'll text about it. So 614-350-3315, two-week free trial, $3.99 after that. For Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.